Good to see all of you. Tonight we are continuing a series called Sink or Swim, Thriving in the Dangerous Middle. As we start, let me just say this to you. Uh, I really want to just, I just really want to talk to you from my heart and from my gut tonight. And let me say this. I believe very firmly, uh, confidently, that God wants to say something to you tonight. I believe very confidently that God wants to meet you. And I grew up in the church, and growing up in the church, I heard that all the time. And so I became a cynic to that statement, that God wanted to meet with me, that God wanted to speak to me. I became cynical about that statement. And the reason why is because I heard that statement over and over and over again, that God wanted to meet with me and speak to me, and I would listen and hear nothing. And so it became one of those things where I decided, oh, well, that's just something that pastors and preachers and speakers say. And what I've come to realize in my early 30s, after decades of trying to figure this out and be an actual follower of Jesus, I am beginning to slowly recognize that it is not that God said nothing. I simply was not listening. I wasn't aware a couple of years ago, I got these headphones as a gift from a friend, and uh, they were these really expensive headphones, like the most expensive headphones I had ever had. And uh, I, I would listen to songs, right? So I would, I mean, this, it's always fun when you give music examples, because you're all going to judge me based on who I say I listen to. So anyways, I was rocking my favorite Creed album. Uh, why are you laughing? No, like I would listen to whatever, right? I'll, I'll listen to Radiohead because that like makes me automatically cool if I listen to Radiohead. But so I would listen to music, right? I would listen to some CDs or MP3s through these new headphones. And the craziest thing happened. These are like 100 and something, I mean, 150 $160 headphones. Maybe that's not super expensive, but it's way more than I had ever spent on headphones. And I would listen to songs that I had heard hundreds of times. And yet, listening with these new headphones, it's like listening to a brand new song, right? Have you ever experienced this? You're like, wait a minute. I had no idea that there was a synth part kind of sitting beneath all those notes. I had no idea that like the bass was playing this little really intricate little riff all throughout the verses. I had no idea. I, I've, I've heard the song before, but this is like the first time I'm actually fully hearing the song. And tonight, as we continue this series, my hope, my prayer for all of us collectively in this room is that we would hear and experience God that we would hear him speaking to us, that we would experience him meeting with us in a fresh way, in a brand new way, that you might allow his presence in your life to break away the cynicism and that you would begin to believe again with the faith of a child like the Bible tells us, that God loves you and that he wants to be with you and that he is in fact with you now. That's my hope. Uh, during this series, Sink or Swim, we've been exploring the idea, what does it look like to live in the middle of God's dangerous will? And what does it look like not just to live there, but to thrive there? 
To not just survive, but to thrive. And we've thrown out a couple of things. And the the big idea that we started with was this. That the middle of God's will is not safe. That God never promises us the safe life. He only promises us the best life. And so as we journeyed through some of these ideas, and these are in your notes, the first couple of weeks we've explored ideas like this. What looks like courage in the end always begins as conviction at the start. We talked about the fact that there are no such things as naturally courageous and naturally cowardly people. There are only those who live by the strength of their convictions and those who do not. We also talked about the idea that in order for us to thrive in the dangerous middle of God's will, we must live with the conviction that God is for us and with us. And bouncing off of that point last week, we asked the question, well, what does it mean that God is for us? And we jumped into the story of Jonah, and we talked about how in Jonah's story, it reveals this beautiful truth to us that God longs for all people to be saved, like it says in the New Testament. And so we talked about this point, that God's will for us, his dangerous will for us, calls us to do more than just make a point. God's will calls us to make a difference. And finally, last week, we concluded with the idea that in the dangerous middle of God's will, our appetite for fairness is replaced by a hunger for grace, compassion, and love. That when we allow God to, to, care, to, to draw us into his will, his dangerous will for us, what we will begin to find is that our lives are changed, our hearts are changed, and we are people who no longer care so deeply about being fair and about being treated fairly, and that instead we are filled with grace for others, compassion for those who are suffering, and, and most of all, love, a deep, deep love. And so the entire series, the first two weeks, we've been asking the question, what are we to do? What are we to do in the dangerous middle of God's will? But tonight, we want to shift the question a little bit. And the big question we will explore tonight is this. What does God do in the dangerous middle of his will? How does God interact? How does God meet us in the middle of his will for us? There's a story we're going to trek through in the book, in this ancient book in your Old Testament. It's called, it's 1 Kings chapters 18 and 19. That's where we're going to be. 1 Kings 18 and 19. And in 1 Kings 18 and 19, we are, we are told the story of a prophet, a, a Jewish prophet in the land of Israel named Elijah. And you need to know something about the world in which Elijah lives Elijah lives as a prophet, a Jewish prophet in the land of Israel. And in the Old Testament, Israel, that is God's chosen people. And the king of Israel at the time is a man named Ahab. And Ahab eventually goes off and he marries a foreign woman named Jezebel. Now Jezebel, who is not a Jewish uh, person, she's not a Jewish woman, she's not an Israelite, and in the Old Testament that's significant for a Jewish king, God's chosen king of God's chosen people, to marry a foreign woman is a big deal. And so this woman, Jezebel, this foreign woman, enters King Ahab, the Jewish king, she enters his life and she influences him negatively. 
And she brings with her, she's a Phoenician woman from a a land called Tyre, and she brings with her her false gods and idols, the idols of her land. And what you have to understand about God's chosen people, Israel, to this day for the Jewish people, the commandment that rests above all other commandments is called the Shema. It's found in Deuteronomy 6.4, and it goes like this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And the Shema continues by saying, you shall have no other gods before me. The command, the command of the Israelite people is that they are to worship God and God alone, Yahweh, him alone. And yet the Jewish king at the time of the prophet Elijah marries a foreign woman and he breaks the command of the Jewish people. He allows his wife Jezebel to implement and institute idol worship. And so the people of Israel, God's chosen people, begin to worship uh, an idol, a false god God called Baal, or Baal is, is how you would pronounce it. And so they begin to worship Baal, or Baal. Now, Baal is a name that's given to all sorts of false gods. It's kind of a generic false god name during this time. And the specific Baal that they worship in Israel at this time is called the Baal of Tyre, which is the region from which Jezebel came. So they worship Baal in addition to worshiping other false gods as well. And into this context, Elijah, God's mouthpiece, God's prophet, speaks truth. And this is what he says. He confronts the king of Israel, Ahab, and he says this. It's 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 19 to 24. The prophet Elijah, God's mouthpiece, God's chosen uh, 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 mode of communication during this time, goes to the king of Israel, Ahab, and he says to him, Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord, Yahweh, God, the one we just sang to, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. And here is the key. The God who answers by fire he is God then all the people said what you say is good now the story continues you can read it later but the story continues and essentially to nobody's surprise God Yahweh shows himself to be the one true God The prophets of Baal pray and they pray and they dance and they sing and nothing happens. And then Elijah prays to God, to Yahweh, and says, God, show yourself to be who we know you are, the one true God. And just like that, he sends fire 
from heaven. Now, here's what you need to recognize, what we all need to recognize about Elijah's situation. If I were to stand up here right now in front of you and say, hey guys, check this out and like snap my fingers and a lightning bolt came and just like blew up the stage, you would all think to yourselves, oh, it was like super cool party trick, right? And sometimes we want God to operate this way. Right, God, when I want you to, when I want you to, when and how I want you to, please show up. Please recognize that as cool as Elijah's story is, recognize his situation and his circumstance. Elijah was the only one standing on the side of our God with hundreds of prophets who were against him and a kingdom and a king and a queen who were all against him and what he stood for and the conviction with which he moved into what God was calling him in. Elijah was in a situation where if God did not send fire, that would have been it. It would have been it for him. It would have been it for the people. It would have been it for in, in terms of God showing himself to be who we all know he is. You see, Elijah was, was in a situation that most of us rarely put ourselves into because we fight so hard to live the safe life. I know I do. And yet we want him to send fire because it's cool. And we say things like, well, God, if you would send fire, then I would do X, Y, and Z. The big stuff, right? But Elijah doesn't operate that way. Elijah steps into it. He steps into the middle of the mess. He puts his life on the line, and when he does, when he needs God to show up by fire, God does. Here's what we need to recognize. As dangerous and as treacherous and as risky as the middle of God's will may seem, this is in your notes, remember that only God can do what no one else can. So how does God interact? How does he meet us? How does he speak to us in the dangerous middle of God's will? When you are in the middle of the most dangerous point of his will for your life, he shows up by fire. And he burns the doubt and the questions and he scorches the fear and you recognize in this unexpected moment of fire that he is God and he can do what no one else can. But you have got to get there to see him do what no one else can. And I think that when we allow God to move and interact with us in that way, it changes us. It changes us, right? That we begin to live not as cynics, but as dreamers. I love what Catherine of Siena said. Be who God meant you to be. Live fully into his will. Be who God meant you to be. And you will set the world on fire. Because if you are close enough, when God shows himself by fire, you will be the fire for a world in need. 
It was a really interesting thing about fire. Right? You don't need to explain when it's cold. You don't need to explain fire. You don't need to understand fire. You just know if you sit close enough, it warms you. Now here's the deal about God showing up by fire. It's not about logic or reason, and it's not about our manipulation or what we want even. It is simply about God showing up when we need him and how we need him. In those impossible situations and impossible circumstances, God shows up by fire, and he scorches the doubt and the fear away. And when he does, it doesn't matter whether you can explain it or not you feel it you feel it and you are changed so how do you need god to speak to you and to meet you tonight maybe it's by fire maybe you are in an impossible situation if you are know know that our god can do only he can do what no one else can and trust in that. Elijah's story continues. See, right after this crazy thing happens, right after God shows up in the fire, there's this turn in the story. The queen, Jezebel, hears about Elijah and, and his, big, or his big thing, right? Like God winning, essentially. And she gets angry. She gets angry that Elijah has like proven Yahweh to be the one true God. And so she says, I'm going to kill Elijah. She publicly says, I, I'm going to find Elijah and I'm going to kill him. Now you have to understand, Elijah has shown himself to be faithful. He has trusted God. He trusted that God would show up by fire, and God did. And he's experienced God's provision, and he's experienced God doing what only God can do, what no one else can. And yet, when he catches wind of this rumor that Jezebel wants to kill him, he becomes suicidal. And you can read the story for yourself, 1 Kings 18 and 19. There's this dramatic turn in Elijah's heart and in his attitude and in his outlook and perspective. He becomes suicidal and fearful, and he goes on the run. He runs off to a mountainside. And so Elijah now has gone from like, oh man, he's like this incredible man of God who trusts God for everything. God showed up. God proved to be faithful. God showed up by fire. He immediately goes from that to being this fearful, suicidal, in fact, he said, to God, God, I, that's it. I got nothing left. Just take my life. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And he runs off to a mountainside, and here is what happens. This is uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 to 13. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the, in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? 
Elijah has just seen God show up by fire in his need and in his moment of absolute desperation. And the expectation would be that as he continues in his desperation, in fact, he's more desperate in chapter 19 than he was in 18, the expectation from Elijah and from the rest of us reading the story would be that God would show up in a bigger fire. He's shown up in a fire to change things already. Obviously, Elijah is continuing to be desperate, and so God is going to show up in a fire again, maybe a bigger fire, maybe an earthquake, maybe a wind, a great wind that rips mountains apart, and yet all of those things come, and God is not in any of them. He is in a whisper. This is in your notes. In the dangerous middle of God's will, let go of expectations and simply listen for his voice. Listen for his voice. Uh, Ryan and I were talking about this message earlier this week. We're just tossing ideas back and forth. And if you don't know uh, Ryan very well, You should get to know him, and what you will quickly get to know about Ryan Ingram is that if he has one supernatural gift, it is the gift of summarizing big ideas into sentences with two key words that start with the same letter. He's just like so good at it, it's mind-blowing. He prefers the letter C. (laughs) Um, It's it's mind-blowing. And we were talking, and he said this, I thought this summarized the entire idea of the night so well. God speaks as we need him, not as we want him. God meets us as we need him, not as we want him. God shows up as we need him, not as we want him. You see, in Elijah's story, he is desperate for God to show up and to change everything. He needs God to be big. He needs God to be huge. He needs God to be majestic and magnificent and glorious. And big, huge, magnificent things come. A giant wind that rips the mountains apart, an earthquake that shakes the ground, and a fire that burns everything and God decides he will not show up in any of those things and instead God speaks to Elijah in his moment of desperation in a gentle whisper. A number of years ago I I was a substitute teacher at uh, this elementary school It's a long story, but basically, long story short, my old church, we were volunteering our time for this Christian school, right? And we wanted to show the teachers some love. And so we were drawing names out of a hat, and I drew the name of one very sweet Mrs. Gladys Ballinger, right? And with a name like Gladys, you know, she's just like the sweetest grandmother you've ever met in your life. And she is. She's very much a Gladys. And so... I mean, she's so sweet, right? So sweet. And so Gladys Ballinger is the, she was, she retired a couple years ago, but at the time, she taught second grade at this school. And so I was going to substitute teach 
a second grade classroom. It's a classroom of 15 to 27 year olds. That, that is like, that is like not, it should not be legal for me to have, like, not for the kids, for my sanity. Like, that's not right, right? That's like, that's like such, it's just seven-year-olds, I don't know. If you are an elementary school teacher, God bless you because you are gifted and the world needs you. But it's incredible, right? Like, seven-year-olds, they, they, their attention span is literally like half a second. So I walk into the room, and these kids, are they know they've got a sub, so it's like, all right, take advantage of the sub, right? And they're bouncing off the walls, and they're like strangling each other. I mean, it's just madness in there. And so for hours until we get to lunch, I'm just screaming with them. I mean, I, I devolve from being an adult to one of them within like four hours. I'm like, ah, come on, right? Like losing my mind because I can't get their attention. Finally, lunch comes. They walk out, right? And I've got this little break because they've got their lunch monitor people or whatever. And lunch is supposed to be like 30 minutes, but it feels like 30 seconds because I just can't, you know, I'm like, stay away please stay away right and so finally they come back in I'm like oh no it's happening again and they're going nuts and then Mrs. Ballinger decides to visit because she loves her kids so much she just wants to see how things are going right and she walks in and she's like probably can't tell who the sub is because I'm like right there with the kids like shut up right like losing my mind Right, and they're like, the room's a mess, and whatever, it's crazy. And then Mrs. Ballinger walks over to me, and I'm like screaming my head off. She's like, hey, hey, stop screaming. I'm like, wah, 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 right? Like, I'm not, I'm not even speaking English at this point, right? I'm just like making noises. <laughs> and she says, yeah, just calm down, stop screaming. And I'm thinking like, okay, Mrs. Ballinger, you're really sweet, but I'm like, <laughs> like, well, how else am I supposed to communicate? They're so loud. And she says to me, she says, just walk to the front of the room, stand up tall, and be quiet. I'm like, what are you talking about, right? It's crazy. She's like, just do it. Just like, walk to the front of the room, stand tall, and just be silent. Don't say a word. Just look at the kids. So I do, right? I trust this woman. I like walk out. I stand there. And then she tells me to do this thing. Some of you elementary school teachers, I guess this is what you do. She's like, just put a finger in the air. Like, which finger, right, is what I'm thinking, <laughs> right? So I put my finger. <laughs> Kids are all, Mom, look what I learned. Right? <laughs> so I put, you know, I just put up a one. And guys, it is like, it's like, it's like the best Jedi mind trick of all time. <laughs> I'm just like this. I'm like looking at the kids, right? Deer in headlights. I'm like, what's going to happen? And slowly but surely, these crazy animals are like, what? <laughs> right? It's like, and then I, I kid you not, the entire classroom, the entire classroom, dead silent, just staring at me like, what's he going to say? It's like this look of anticipation and curiosity. Sometimes silence screams above the chaos. And sometimes when you want God to scream louder than the noises rushing into your head and your heart, sometimes in that moment, rather than screaming louder, rather than coming by fire, he speaks in a gentle whisper because it is the loudest thing he could say. And we are called to listen to lose expectations, 
Forget about God competing with the noise in your life and realize that he might speak to you in a whole nother way. And so how, how do you need God to speak to you tonight? How do you need him to meet you? How do you need God to show up? Not how do you want him to. That's easy. Right? I want God to fix my problems. I want God to make my life easy. I want God to give me solutions. I want God to give me answers. No, the question is not what you want. The question is what do you need? Because what you might need is for him to show up by fire and to burn your doubt and your fear. Or what you might need is for God to whisper when the world is screaming lies at you. You might need him to whisper gently that those are lies and he is truth and he loves you and that's enough. All of you, when you walked in, you received a match book. Don't light these in here. Um, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Don't light these in here. <laughs> That'll be bad. Um, <clears throat> but on one side, it has the verse reference, 1 Kings 18.24, and it says, God by fire. And it's the reference of Elijah asking the, uh, making the statement that God who shows up by fire, he is God. The God who answers by fire, he is God. And on the other side, it's 1 Kings 19, 11 to 12, God in a whisper. And it's the reference of God not showing up in the wind or the earthquake or the fire, but God speaking in a gentle whisper. And here's what I would ask you to do. Just take these matchbooks home this week and maybe you want to you can light a candle with it or you can just look at it but here is what I would ask you to do put this in a place where you will see it regularly in this week on a daily basis would you ask the question how do I need God to show up how do I need him not want him need him to meet with me and then would you pray that prayer God I need you I need you to show up. God, I need you to speak, whether by fire or in a whisper, whatever it is you want to do, come and meet with me. Meet with me not how I desire, not how I want, not how is comfortable or, or easiest for me, but God, show up however it is I need you to show up. Let me pray for you. God, we... Um, we, uh, we're grateful and we're thankful for who you are and for what you've done and what you continue to do in our lives and um, in the life of this community. God, we need you. Um, we need you to be you. We don't need you to do uh, what we want you to do. We need you to do what you want to do. And so God, whether, whether that is showing up by fire or speaking in a gentle whisper, come and do that in our lives. Come speak to us, meet with us, encounter us, even here in this moment tonight as we sing. Whisper to us or burn us up. Whatever it is, come. Come.
speak to us tonight. Change us and make us new. In Jesus' name, amen.